right, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. So this is the second half of our show, and uh, appreciate everybody being here. So guys, I know that we left off on a main topic, so we're going to go in and jump to an update. We're on Police One, and uh, look, we're still in New Mexico. New Mexico eliminates police immunity from prosecution. Um, I don't know if there's going to be any comments on this or not. I don't know. Maybe Ward has something. But New Mexico Governor Michelle uh, Grisham signed civil rights reforms on Wednesday that eliminate police immunity from prosecution in state courts in response to protests and concerns about police brutality that have swept the nation, which just blows my mind. Here's a quote from her saying that, or for him saying that, this is not an anti-police bill. This bill does not endanger any first responder or public servant so long as they conduct themselves professionally within the bounds of our Constitution and with a deep and active respect for the sacred rights it guarantees all of us. Now, it's a Democrat-sponsored uh, bill. Now, the legislation has implications for an array of state and local government agencies across New Mexico. It goes on to say that liability for misconduct that violates individual rights is actually going to fall on the government agencies and not the individual public employees, with damage awards capped at $2 million. Interesting. Now, the bill was uh, backed by uh, a coalition of advocates for policing reforms and social justice causes. So it includes Ben and Jerry's ice cream and a conservative-backed nonprofit group called Americans for Prosperity, uh, which is supported by Charles Koch, I guess is his name. Uh, local governments and law enforcement leaders lobbied aggressively against the legislation, dubbed the New Mexico Civil Rights Act, and uh, civil rights complaints already can be uh, brought in federal court with unlimited awards for damages. Now, Colorado Governor Jared Polis last year enacted police accountability legislation that eliminated qualified immunity uh, defense that protects police from misconduct lawsuits and similar measures are under consideration in several states. But again, qualified immunity, and if Ward talks about this, and his mic's open, um, he'll explain that you have to qualify for it. It's not automatic, not like it is when you're, you know, maybe a, a judge or a legislator. So sponsors of the New Mexico legislation included Senator uh, Joseph uh, Cervantes of Las uh, Cruces and House Speaker Brian and Golf of Santa Fe. So that said, Ward, the floor is yours. The, the title is a little misleading. Uh, if you think of prosecutions as being primarily criminal, police have never had immunity from criminal prosecution. Uh, so what the article is really about is civil prosecution. I had to chuckle because since the police officers uh, are not subject to liability, they essentially have unqualified immunity as a result of this as a result of this law. Interesting. Do you what kind of weight? So do you put any weight with them saying that the agency is responsible and the in the two million cap or the the cap that they had on that for the awards? Well. Under the federal system, the municipalities and the states are only liable if there's a violation of policy um, or something by a policymaker. This is a little different. They're basically saying if the cop did something wrong, then the agency is liable. It's a respondeat superior doctrine. And when you start getting big verdicts against uh, police departments or cities, uh, they may rethink this law or, or put lower caps on it. Interesting. Captain Bartlett, what's your take on this? Well, if I'm reading it right, the state's waiving their sovereign immunity. You know, uh, at Florida, waived sovereign immunity. In other words, in Florida, a state can a state and a political subdivision can be sued uh, for for uh, civil rights violation. But very typically, if it's going to be a civil rights violation, it's going to be on the federal level on the Fourth Amendment. But in Florida, you know, uh, people can file a lawsuit against agencies. Uh, maybe this is just something in that state that's happening after everybody else has got it done. I did. I could be wrong, but that's what it looked like. 
All right. Well, thank you, Captain. And uh, and thank you, Ward, for explaining that to us, dumbing it down for the rest of us. All right, guys, let's uh, move on to our next one then. I've got a video here on hold, policeone.com. We're going to be talking about a Virginia cop involved in a traffic stop of an Army officer is fired. Um, you know, again, it's a, this is hot in the news right now. Now, one of two police officers accused of pepper spraying and pointing their guns at a, uh, again, they're saying is a black army officer because they're pushing the racial narrative. Uh, but they did this during a traffic stop, and this cop has been fired. And now, and it, he was fired hours after the governor called for independent investigation into the case. Now, the town of Windsor uh, said in a statement that it joined calls from election officials, including uh, Governor Ralph Northam, in requesting an investigation by Virginia State Police into this um, incident that happened back in December 2020, in which two Windsor police officers were accused of drawing their guns, pointing them at a U.S. Army second lieutenant, uh, Karen Nazario, and using a slang term to suggest that he was facing execution. Now, Nazario, he's black and Lantino, uh, uh, black and Latino. He was also pepper sprayed and knocked to the ground by officers uh, Joe Gutierrez and Daniel Crocker, according to this lawsuit, which he filed earlier this month against them. Now, the two sides in the case are disputing what happened, but Crocker wrote in a report, and he's one of the officers, he believed uh, that our Army guy, Nazario, was eluding them, and he considered it a high-risk traffic stop. Now, the attorney for Nazario, Jonathan Arthur, told the Associated Press that he was not trying to elude the officer, but trying to look for uh, a well-lit area to stop the car in. So Windsor officials said in an internal investigation opened at the time into the use of force determined, uh, they determined the policy, department policy was actually not followed, and they said the disciplinary action was taken and that Gutierrez has since been fired. Uh, but there's a video associated with this. I'm kind of curious if we have any comments on it, what you guys think, or if you have enough information. Apparently, Captain Bartlett wants to make a comment. Now, he is a former internal affairs captain, uh, so he brings, hey, Brett, you bring some experience. I mean, the rest of us were only your subjects that you used to screw around with when you were in charge of internal affairs. So um, some more than others, David DeGresta, but go ahead, Captain. Well, Chip, it just happened to be I was on the other side of the table being investigated when they said, you want to be the captain? So I just I just switched sides of the table. I, I think I caught myself in a lie on the way around. I'm still not sure about that, but we'll talk about that later. But did anybody watch the video the, the, of perspective of the victim or the, the officer, the, the army officer? I, I don't think I would be as cool as he was if I, w if I had guns pointed at me and officers are screaming at me. There was something strange about that encounter. Now, all he wanted to know was what's going on? What's going on? Well, dadgum, if, if it'll stop, if, if I can take 30 seconds to explain to him what's going on and then have him go, okay, now I'm coming out. What's the harm? What's the foul? He just wanted to know what was going on. I'm not saying he deserves that. I don't, I don't know. But if, if that's the sticking point, Tell him what's going on. Sir, you've been pulled over. We have reason to believe this. Step out of the car. And then if he continues to say no, well, what is he going to say now? He can't say what's going on. I told you what's going on. Now it's time to come out. This is a, this is a very classic. If you follow what we say, then you will not get hurt. But he just couldn't get it through his head. But there was something very strange about his demeanor when those policemen were pointing guns at him and screaming at him. Ah, good pickup. Good pickup. Anybody else uh, have any takeaways? Ward Mythaler. 
I think the reason he didn't pull over immediately was to find a well-lit position where he could set up his camera and film what was going on. Um, uh, these cops certainly came across badly here. I'm not sure why they stopped him in the first place, but this is a, to me at least, and I complain about this all the time, it's a good example of policemen watching what they say when they stop someone. He's, one of the guys here had a especially angry voice. He made reference to riding the lightning. I don't know if he's talking about an execution or a stun gun, I mean, a, a, a taser. The worst thing he said to me was the, cop, the officer, the soldier said, I'm afraid to get out, and the cop said, you should be afraid to do so. Those things are just going to come back and haunt you on disciplinary proceedings. All right, thank you, Ward. From a, from a attorney perspective, uh, good insight. And you're, and you're right, it, it's it's never pretty, but these guys uh, went out of their way to make it not look that pretty. Any, anybody else? If there's not, well, Brett Bartlett, go ahead. Yeah, just one quick thing, Chip. After about the 10th time, he said, what's going on? And nothing's happening. I think the conversation that should have ceased, bring in some more people, box him in. And because what do we have now? We have a guy that's not coming out of the car. He's not responding to commands. This is the definition of insanity, doing the thing, same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome from the last time it happened. His last words were not going to be, if you'd, have, if you'd have yelled one more time to come out, I would have come out of the car. That's not going to happen. Pause the action, take a deep breath, contain the car, get some more people, sit back and, and have a conversation. What's going on here? But the yelling and the screaming, it just doesn't work. Hey, let me ask you something, just out of curiosity, Captain. I mean, look, we have all we've all worked a street. Now, in I was on the street early in my career, and, and you know, so so it's been a while since I was actually on the street. But I can tell you that anytime I dealt with anyone, whether it was on the street or on a detective level, if they were in uniform, a military uniform, I I treated them a little differently. Um, am I am I wrong on that, or did you do the same thing, or? Well. From this point, from their perspective, they can't see the whole thing. You know, people, you can buy a camouflage shirt and wear it around. You can put, you can, but they didn't have that. They don't know this guy. All they saw was a person. And again, I'm not sure. They saw a camouflage shirt. Now, at some point, he said, I serve, I protect the country or something like that. That should have given them a clue. Okay, if he's saying that, fine. Take a deep breath, get on the radio, call some more people, box it in, get a perimeter and then see what the next step is going to be. But the continuous shouting to no avail shouldn't lead to more continuous shouting with, with no avail. Stop, assess, go to plan B. All right, well, thank you. Well, I've said about everything that I can say to try to draw David D. Gresta into this conversation. And I, I saw him thinking about hitting the button, but apparently it worked for Andrea. So, Andrea, you've got 30 seconds. Go ahead. Well, real quick, Chip, you know, I agree with you. Typically with somebody in uniform, I would treat them differently. But why did he set up his camera? You know, why, what what happened before all this? It makes you kind of wonder, you know, what are we missing from it? Because we're missing something. Based on, you know, their demeanor, we're missing something. And I, I think that, you know, he was he was setting them up and filming them for some, for some reason. I, I'm not sure what it was, but I just, this didn't make me feel very comfortable one way or another. All right. Well, you you know you're you're probably right, Andrea. Hopefully, we'll get more information down the pipe on this. Hey, we're going to take another commercial break, guys, but we'll be right back. 
So, hey, I take this time and I want to talk to you guys about how best to watch our show, our live segments, and our live show. So our live show is streamed on Monday evening, 7 o'clock Eastern time, and we do it on Vimeo. And so our main platform is no longer YouTube. We don't want to give them that kind of control over us anymore. But our live show is streamed from Vimeo also to YouTube and the Facebook. Now, it's soon going to be hopefully streamed on LinkedIn and on Rumble. Now, producer Will splits our 90-minute live show in the five segments, and he uploads those Tuesday through Saturday uh, to YouTube, and I get them on Rumble. And we also embed the videos that we talk about. And also, if you go to our Facebook page, Leo Roundtable, if you want to do that in advance of every show, you can watch uh, our videos. You can watch. You can actually read up on the stories before you watch us cover them live. So that's the uh, best way to watch the show. And we're also in Thin Blue Line TV and RedVoiceMedia.com with Date Ray Dietrich and Free Press with TampaFP.com with Brian Burns. So check those out. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. All right, guys, if there's no one on the last video left, then we'll go ahead and start off with the uh, next one. We're on redvoicemedia.com, Thin Blue Line TV, and the LA Times at latimes.com. Now, we've got three body cams here. LAPD officer shoots a gun-wielding man trying to walk into a police station. David, I expect you to be all over this. And the, uh, the I guess, the LA uh Times version of this is video shows man with a fake gun outside LAPD Olympic Station before officer shoots him. So the video was released by LAPD. It shows officers screaming at a man to drop a gun in front of the department's Olympic Station. It's in the afternoon. It happened last month. And it was, uh, I guess it, it, it started um, when officers that were both inside and outside the stations, but he ended up being shot by an officer with a shotgun. You've got a clear video of this officer. So at one point in the video, which includes you know, some graphic stuff um, and profanity. They threw that in there for attorney Ward because, you know, he always wants to comment on the profanity. Um, our bad guy is later identified as Nakia Brown. He's 35 years old of Los Angeles. And he appears at one point to tell the officers to shoot him. So Brown was shot shortly thereafter by the officer with a shotgun. Now video from that officer's body cam, which was released on Sunday by LAPD. It shows him fire after Brown appears to lift the weapon that was in his hand in the direction of the officer but no officers, of course, were injured. Now, LAPD Chief Michael Moore said that the weapon was an imitation firearm and that Brown, who was taken to a local hospital for treatment, he's been charged with brandishing the weapon. Now, the incident started after officers who were helping another citizen outside the Olympic Station. They noticed Brown, our bad guy, standing there, and then they realized that he appeared to have a gun in his hand. So the officers at the front entrance to the station immediately ordered him to drop the weapon. There's a crowd of officers near the entrance, and they draw their weapons, and they call for backup. So video shows two officers in a patrol car then roll up on the scene uh, with the passenger holding a shot gun and uh, then they get out and they confront brown from along a wall that's in front of the police station but i got to mention that the people that are inside the police station and i guess this entrance was blocked off from the public for covid you've got officers inside the the whole front including the doors it's all glass and uh, you've got a guy seemingly using it i guess presumably as cover and uh you know with a firearm and you got guys on the outside too which it, it was just it was just wild and then when the video pans around to our guy with a shotgun the whole backdrop on the other side of the bad guy is the glass front where all these officers are hiding behind the glass. It was just horrific. Um, so you hear the officers say, hey, drop the effing gun. And 
and uh, this is the officer with a shotgun, and his partner uh, tells him to get more cover. Drop the gun, or you're going to get dropped is what the officer's telling the bad guy drop the gun bro it doesn't have to go this way the second officer says so the second officer then advises the officer with a shotgun to move backward to get more cover and get a little bit of cover you've got range you got time you got time so a lot of communication a lot of things covered on the video so after brown our bad guy shot the officers moved forward quickly kicked the imitation gun on, uh, that was on the ground away from him handcuff him and transport him to the hospital of course you know he survived so that's the way this thing goes down um, David DeGresta, finally we get to hear from you. David, you can take up the whole four minutes if you want to. Go ahead. No, no, I shall not. Or maybe I will. Um, now LAPD has lost my entire respect. Not that they care, but um, I, I, this and the next video from LAPD, what a clown show this was. Are you trying to tell me? First, the guy at the, the there's two cops in the whole video. Out of, out of how, however many there were, there were two cops there the one guy the first guy at the front door who looks across at this guy he's dealing with somebody else he looks at this guy and i can see the hair on the back of his neck go up and when he's looking at the guy going something's wrong with this guy something's wrong and he waits and he waits and sure enough the guy pulls a gun out and he immediately goes to gun and he's not going to give up any ground because he's the only one there then the idiots inside the the, the admin jerk offs inside the office come come rolling out with all their guns drawn thinking that they're going to actually do something other than call call the one cop back inside to hide behind the glass yay and then they call for backup what there's no back door on this place they didn't think to send somebody out around the back and flank this guy from they have to wait for a, a uniformed car to show up i mean what a clown show and then the second cop on scene the guy with the shotgun the only other cop there comes out and gets in position, creeps down that wall and let the guy just flinch, flinch. Do one thing that, that, that causes my, my trigger finger to flinch and, and it's all done. And no, just for the way it was laid out, Chip, the way he was looking at the shotgun was actually, Pert was off. The, the guys, the people behind were, behind a door behind the guy. There was glass behind him, but that was another set of windows. Hopefully nobody was sitting there with their video camera going, oh, this is cool. Um, but no. And then the idiot behind the, the, the one cop that has a shotgun is grabbing his belt, trying to pull him back, come back. No, get off me. I have my position. I'm not giving anything up. You've got a guy standing on the front stoop of a police station with traffic. And there was a couple of there was a couple of convertibles in the in the in the traffic lane, not more than 50, 50 feet in front of this guy that has a gun. And you're saying, oh, no, back up. Oh, no. Oh, no. No. And so he lifts the gun up and starts, what, shooting people in cars that are stopped in front of him at the traffic light? Again, the, the, the inaneness of this department and, and the, the things that the gyrations that they go through in an attempt to do what is just absolutely beyond comprehension at this point. They have lost all ability to, to act as law enforcement, as far as I'm concerned. It's just, it was just absolutely horrific. And it was like, again, two cops in the, in the whole video. And, and they were almost called down by the, by the rest of the admin idiots. Wow. But the guy with the shotgun finally had enough. And, and when the guy with the pistol standing in the, in the walkway or standing on the stoop finally took that one step too many, he, he, he did exactly what he should have done and put him on the ground. End. All right. It's beautiful. Beautiful, David. Thank you very much. Chief Newman, we've got about uh, 45 seconds. One, one, I, I agree with David. I, and I tell you what, there would have been an issue with me with the one guy if I was a shotgun guy and the guy pulls me back. When all this is said and done, 
there'd be a little bit of face counseling about two inches off his nose. But all I can think about, and it's going to be an insider joke, is like, <laughs> Brett, the North Corridor at 1710, where if somebody walked up, you got all those guys smoking cigarettes back in the 80s and 90s. I just, what would it have looked like if that thing played out right then and there at the breezeway on the backside of CIB? <laughs> I chuckled. I said, that would look a lot different in my old police department about 30 years ago. Right. If there were guys, John, they would have they would have shot the guy and not put the yeah. cigarette down. They would have just shot him and not missed All a right. beat. Talk, still talking about fishing. Thanks, Cam. Another commercial break, guys. Be right back. So, hey, I take this opportunity to tell you guys about our radio shows. Now, we're syndicated on 12 stations now. I don't have all the information on the 12th one yet, but we're going to start off with the Boss Hog Radio Network. Now, they're in Florida, and they've got four AMs and one FM. So they're in Bushnell, Lakeland, Plant City, Winter Haven, and also in Avon Park. So we love Boss Hog Radio Network because they gave us our big break in getting in uh, terrestrial radio. And we're also in Florence, Alabama on WBCF. They've got both an AM and an FM. And in Delta, Utah on KYAH. Uh, we're also in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee on WXRQ. And also on Internet Radio, goodtalkradio.com, amfm247.com, and threeriversbroadcasting.com. And, of course, all the terrestrial stations that I mentioned, they have their own Internet access as well, where you can listen to them uh, via the Internet. So check out those stations. Hopefully one of them is near you. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show, guys. Um, anybody else, guys, that uh, that wants to go on this topic before we move on? No one else? All right. We will go to the next topic, which is our main topic then. And, uh, you know, we're on uh, policeone.com, and the title of this is Causing Suspects to Attack You. It's a, It was an interesting article. Actually, I think that um, um, ATF, uh, Dan and I talked about this earlier. The subtitle is how some reform proposals are attempting to shift responsibility for violence from the offender to the officer. So listen to this now, and, and it's short, and hopefully we'll create some discussion here, but some believe that the police are members of a racist system and that violent criminals are merely responding to years of systemic oppression. Now listen to this, it gets better. Others believe that the police provoke violence or simply don't do enough to avoid it. In either case, activists are proposing reforms to hold police, quote, accountable. So in this article, they look at how some reform proposals are attempting to shift responsibility for violence from the offender to the officer and how police professionals might inadvertently support this agenda if they don't carefully distinguish tactical uncertainty from officer-created jeopardy. So think about that, tactical uncertainty versus officer-created jeopardy. Wild concept, guys. Um, down at the bottom of this, it does say courts have been reluctant to embrace the officer-created jeopardy theory, in part because the Supreme Court directs that use of force decisions should not be viewed with the benefit of hindsight, unlike what 
the state of Connecticut was trying to do with their uh, deadly force uh, policy. But currently, some courts limit use of force assignments to the moment the officer used force. And under court, uh, I guess other courts take a broader view, and they consider an officer's pre-seizure tactical decisions as part of the totality of the circumstances test. Now, there is evidence that the Supreme Court would decide the narrow view of use of force assessments. However, police reform advocates are not waiting for the court to settle the issue. Instead, they're lobbying state legislatures, attorney generals, and agencies that pass laws and policies that, uh, I guess, impose elevated use of force requirements and expressly authorize consideration of an officer's pre-force conduct. Kind of blows my mind. So that's the article. Um, I would love to get some feedback from the panel on this thing, see what you guys think. And don't think uh, I haven't forgot about you, Dan O'Kelly. I hope to hear from you on this too. But Brett Bartlett, why don't you start us off? We got eight minutes. Well, start to start off with the title of the article is just, just terrible. Uh, I, I can see this going in front of a court, in front of a judge. Sir, why did you do that? Well, the officer, the officer made me do it. The officer made me attack him. The officer made me draw a knife and try to kill him. The officer made me run from him. It, this, this is just so typical of trying to shift the blame from the individual. Because if this goes much further, policemen are going to say, you know what? We can fix this. I won't do anything. Therefore, there's, I can never be accused of causing you to attack me. Starting with, I just won't show up. If I don't show up, then there'll never be an issue. We'll never run across this issue. If I just sit under that tree and wait for a report call, we'll never have this issue. And, and this is just another nail in the coffin of active policing. All right, thank you, Captain. Guys, anybody else on this one? Daniel Kelly. I mean, only because you mentioned my name, I'll throw this out there. Uh, you know, this this idea that police are all, uh, they're all racist. Uh, last I looked, there were minority police officers, right? There are Asian police officers, Latin, black, female police officers. Are they all racist too? You know, uh, that doesn't, and if so, who are they racist against? Are they a racist against everybody uh, or just whites? The whole thing is ridiculous. I, I'm so sick of hearing about this police equals a racist joke that it's, it's sickening. It's stupid. All right. Thank you, Dan. Chief Newman, what are your thoughts? You know, I, I, I found the article interesting some of it, but we're really, and it's really not considered one of the subtopics, but under devolving standards, we are already seeing um, the whole idea of victim shifting. So we do our job, you know, uh, you know, somebody pulls a gun on us, they're not, they're not, um, you know, held accountable. We did something wrong. And I'll be honest with you that, you know, certain parts of the media and certain, you know, sections of our society have been very good in this area, shifting blame, from you know, what would seem obvious to most law-abiding people to law enforcement. And I think that's been done a lot across the country. Definitely we see more and more of it um, as you're looking at some of these police reform proposals about the ability to be able to shift accountability and ownership of a problem, you know, like, I don't know, chasing an officer with a gun to we were wrong for shooting that person with the gun because he had mental health issues. And you do see it a lot in mental health, and that's what I was alluding to, of this whole idea of shifting blame or shifting the focus from the bad behavior that gave rise to the law enforcement action to the law enforcement action itself. 
And I'm, I'm glad, thank you, Chief. I'm glad you brought up the bad behavior that, that led to this in the first place because, you know, uh, the non-compliance issue is the one I always want to start with because all these things would not have happened, including George Floyd, if they simply would have complied. Of course, in George Floyd's case, he actually passed a counterfeit $20 bill, committed a criminal offense, and then he did the non-compliance thing. But we've got a lot of open mics, guys. Uh, we've got four minutes and 15 seconds. So, uh, David and uh, and Attorney Ward, go ahead, guys. You know, the, the issue that, that John brought up about the sh about shifting uh, blame, th the one thing I will say that the article did touch on that, that was was a, a good point was talking about the, the the tactical reviews. And we've seen it a lot and we've, we've criticized a lot of officers about their tactics, their street tactics, when it comes to moving around vehicles that have people inside of it. Uh, you know, how you approach a certain s situation um, that exposes you to uh, a threat. And Getting getting well trained in street tactics goes a long way in mitigating a lot of the jeopardy that you may face to where you end up using deadly force, rightfully so, that then gives the media, as John said, that ammunition. Well, you know, he didn't have, he shouldn't have walked in front of the car. It's all the cops fault type of crap, which, you know, is B.S. But yet it's those tactical reviews that if you're critical and you're very honest with yourself, the reviewers are very honest. A lot of those things are, are training issues that can be mitigated. I'm not saying that, and again, everybody's responsible for their actions. You're a bad guy in a car, you drive at me, I'm gonna shoot you. Um, uh, you're mentally ill, you get a weapon, you come out in the street, you attack someone, you're gonna get dealt with. So not to shift the blame, but there are ways for law enforcement to, through training and street tactics to mitigate those problems. All right, hey, Chair. Yeah. Chair, so we talked about earlier tonight about the shooting up there in uh, you know, Brooklyn City. And I said to you, either the city manager or the, or the chief was going to get fired because they were saying that due process should be the process that they go with. The mayor just fired, fired the city manager. The alerts are coming in right now. So you follow the wow. rule of law. You follow the rule of law. You follow due process. Nope, they fired him. They just fired the city manager. That, that's just activism. You've got to let these things play out. Like Brett said, why did she shoot? What did she see? What did she think? She did something horrible. She made a horrific mistake. No one's denying that. But in the expediency to satisfy the, the, you know, a certain segment of society that's angry is wrong. And they just fired the city manager. And by the way, he was a black male. And the mayor, he was a black male. So race ain't got nothing to do with this. They fired him because the guy wanted to follow the rule of law. Wow. Thanks, Chief. Hey, be careful what you say, because they may be watching the show, John, and maybe just implemented what you suggested. So I, I'm just throwing that out there, you know. All right, Attorney Ward, you've got uh, about a minute and a half. I didn't care much for this article. I found it pretentious, uh, almost pedantic. Um, uh, I think he overgeneralized things. He set up straw men. And despite the fact that he has a JD after his name, the Supreme Court does not, contrary to what you said, decide these these use of force issues for the states. What particularly bothered me was his assertion that lawyers are arguing that when a cop stands in front of a car, he causes the driver to hit him, or that when a police officer chases an armed suspect, that causes the 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 armed suspect to shoot him and that the police officer will be liable for him. 
In all the years we've done this show, I have never, ever seen any suggestion of that whatsoever. And I don't believe there's any judge in the United States who would allow a lawyer to make such an argument in court. So I just, I just think the article is way overstated. Well, I, I hope it I hope it stays that way as far as judges judges not entertaining these arguments, Ward. Hopefully we're not gonna be talking in six to twelve months about, hey, remember back, Ward, when you said this, well, look what's happening now. So and uh and look, uh, systemic racism. I, I'm with you. Um, you know, I know that we had um some of you guys talking about that, but uh last time I checked, uh we elected a black president, he got the popular vote and the uh, electoral college and uh, you know, it just kills me seeing these things taken out of proportion. But look, we've got another commercial break coming up. We will be right back. So, hey, let's talk about our podcast and our TV exposure. So Law Enforcement Today, they're actually marketing our podcast. Now we've got 10 podcast formats. We do have an RSS feed, and we're on Anchor, which is pretty much our staple. So I, I upload the main show, The Anchor, from Anchor, which is distributed to all the other outlets. We're on Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, which is iTunes. Uh, we're on Overcast. Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and also on Spotify. So um, if you guys are listening to our show while you're traveling to and from work or wherever, and you're just listening to it, you know, on the video on a video format, like on YouTube and listen to the audio, try the um, try the podcast. It's a great way to try watching the show. We're also on Live Free TV and it's on LiveFreeTelevision.com. Uh, check them out there in case you want to watch us either. On a, uh, on a live program or also on demand. And we're also coming uh, to other formats, including Roku and Fire Stick. So check those out. All right, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. Now I have a uh, another update. It'll be the last update, and then we just have videos from this point forward. Um, and producer Will, um, I guess let me give the title, and then we'll go to the producer Will. But the title of this, I'm doing this mostly for David DeGresta. It is PDs Police Departments Launch Innovative If Unconventional New Units on April the first. I, I would love to hear David's take on this, but uh, producer Will, the floor is yours. Michael MVS just donated. Ah, uh, Michael MVS, you gotta love that guy. He is watching. I didn't. I was looking for him earlier on uh, on YouTube. So, uh, Michael MVS, thanks for the support. Uh, we appreciate it. He's a diehard, you know, a supporter of the show. Um, so, in this article about PD's launching innovative ideas, and uh, they're unconventional though. It talks about police agencies around the globe uh, debuted unprecedented programs, all grounded in the latest policing strategies, and it, it talks about. Everything from a revamping patrol transportation to multi-species canine squads. And here are some of the best operations to hit the streets. And again, uh, you'll have to check it out. Producer Will will have a link to the story um, under the videos. And of course, they're on our Facebook page as well. But New Zealand police launched a skateboard patrol. Uh, yeah, they've got a female on a skateboard talking about they're rolling out a new form of transportation. From now on, our officers will be patrolling the streets on skateboards. And, and that's that's okay, but look, in South Australia, the police debuted a, uh, how do you pronounce it? Uh, Brett, you have these dogs, Dachshund uh, Search and Rescue Canine Unit. It's not a Dotson, it's a Dachshund. 
however you pronounce that. According to police, these dogs are deployed in small, hard-to-reach places like air ducts and under cars. The vertically challenged canines will also be harnessed to drones. They're going to harness from the drones for tactical deployments. I'd love to get a video of that. It's going to be an absolute game changer. That's a quote from the official involved in that. So, Brett, you got to... Brett, go ahead and what, what's your take on that, Brett? Well, as long as the drone has a recording saying who's a good boy, who's a good boy, I think they'll, I think it'll work nicely. Uh, those dachshunds are pretty vicious. Uh, the one I had, he'd run across the street and bark at the bigger dog. So I know they got a little, they got a little fight at them. So a if they could train to, to bite like a canine, and, you know, bite at the ankles. If you kill the ankle, the body will die. That's probably what they're getting at. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Corporal David. <laughs> Listen, I, I got to say, it, the only thing I can think of was was the, the K-10, I think it was, K-9 and K-10, the little the oh, cat. Yeah. That's, that's all I can hey, think of. And, don't, and don't I pictured, kill, I, I pictured, I haven't there yet. I know. I pictured a, a backpack or maybe like a, a, a pack that you were on your on the front that had the cat in it. And when you saw when when the suspect needed to be apprehended, you, you pull the cat out and you just throw it at the guy. Can you imagine like a cat flying there all pissed off, landing on some guy's head? And that would just be spectacular. That's that that's that's all that came to mind. I thought it was wow. wonderful. Well, in Idaho, the police department is introducing certified drug sniffing goats. So it's the Nampa Police Department on that well, they introduced a the newest it, member of it's the SRO unit actually. What, was it goats or was it was it goats or was it sheep? In Idaho, was it goats or sheep? Are you, are you sure it was goats? Uh, they, oh, they, say, it was sheep. They, they say goats, <laughs> but you know, who knows? So uh, Wayne is the first goat to join the department's drug detection and interdiction program, but he is technically an SRO. So I know he's already suffering. You know, I know Brett doesn't think highly of SROs. This is already tainting it. Uh, Chief Newman, what do you think? This was aired April 1st. April Fool's Day, I think. No way this is serious stuff. Oh, come on, Chief. Are you ruining this for us? Wait, the, yeah, I'm guessing, but no way, no way this is serious. John, John's absolutely right. Look at the bottom of the article. It says April Fool. Guys, you guys are killing your guy killing it for the users. I mean, you know, you're just killing it. <laughs> Kitten K12 unit. Uh, Rabbit joins PD's narcotic enforcement team, and you guys just you just guys ruined half the half the show. Unbelievable. Is there anything else that I tell you? I think John please, and please, Ward please don't tell me this was your big ending. Please don't <laughs> tell right. me this was it, right? You rabbit canine. I have no idea what the article read, but you started out on the byline April 1st. And the more I'm thinking about it, I go, man, this is, this can't be for real. I'm sorry, Chip. I, uh, didn't mean to I didn't mean to ruin your show. I'll have I'll pull something else out of the hat. Mm, no pun intended. Uh, uh, <laughs> Captain Bartlett, go ahead. If you just said on April 1st, agencies are going to use SROs to enforce a law, I'd go, oh, see, that somebody's <laughs> kidding. Somebody's joking. Oh, you wow. got me. <laughs> I still like the idea of the Dotsons with the uh, with the drones being deployed. I mean, I thought that was great. Okay, Ward. Uh, Chip, I apologize. I thought you took this seriously. Oh well, you know, I, you know, I, I might as well end end with the ploy now. So okay, all right. Anyhow, I tell you, you know, we're gonna have to all go out to Costa Rica and uh, and make ward be a host for all of us at the same time i think that that is only fitting after he you know he sabotaged this section of the show but look we got four and a half minutes left of course andrea is going to be the first one to buy the ticket i know she wants to go over there 
Um, let's see what we got coming up. We got some videos. So this one's on YouTube, a channel called Police Overwatch and KTLA.com. Officers wound suspects in Westlake and El Serrano. Uh, they raised the number of LAPD shootings this week. Um, so LAPD officers were involved in another um, two shootings. Uh, but we're only going to be talking about one of them, a man named Nathan Glover, armed with a hammer and what investigators described as a small hatchet. He was wounded in the first shooting, so only wounded. Officers started uh, doing a foot chase, pursuing this guy after a woman reported being concerned about his actions. They followed him for several blocks. They're shouting commands, uh, trying to detain him. And after attempting to use less lethal, I'm sorry, less lethal, um, to take this guy into custody, at least one officer opens fire on him. And so the shooting was captured on a body-worn camera. And slow motion of the video and a freeze frame shows um, the guy had a firearm um, in his possession immediately before he got shot. Now, there is decent verbalization. The officers uh, telling him, don't effing move. He said that for Ward's benefit. And he actually called the bad guy by name, Nathan. So he was known to him. And he said he's got a gun, verbalized to his partner, don't move, don't move. And... Um, the man was struck and taken to the hospital where he's undergoing uh, treatment, still alive, and a hammer and a small hatchet were recovered at the scene. Um, it's one of the, I included this video, number one, it's hot in the news right now, and number two, if you watch the video, if they did not do a freeze frame and put a little red circle around the gun and a couple spots in this video with a freeze frame, you would watch the video and think that was a bad shoot. Um, or, or, or people that aren't used to watching our show would think that anyhow, so that's why I included that. Are there any comments in the video? If not, I'll move to the next video then. All right, then we'll go to the next one, redvoicemedia.com and Thin Blue Line TV. It's a body cam. Man throws a hammer, of course, at LAPD officers. He gets shot and he gets killed. So there are better shots at LAPD, apparently, the Rampart area at least. So a sergeant was flagged down by a community member due to a suspect being armed with a hammer and uh, what was believed to be a hatchet. So additional officers met with the sergeant. They form a plan. They attempted to detain this bad guy. Officers use, of course, less, less lethal because we're in California. It's not effective, of course. Suspect throws a hammer and then a metal object that looked like a pickaxe at the officers, which resulted in the officer-involved shooting. Suspect was struck by gunfire. He was transported to the hospital succumbed to his injuries during the investigation a hammer and a rear mounted bicycle kickstand were recovered at the scene so that's what the second object was um so attorney ward uh why don't you go ahead and start us off on this we've got about a minute and a half before we're done for the show i just had a quick question for the officers here uh, i found the the guy in charge the sergeant i guess he was very interesting and at one point he replaced someone who refused to give commands uh what happened what's what, what's going on there Right, yeah, good War, 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 good point. I was hoping they asked David the same question. He was, be he was beginning to get on my nerves. Beginning? Wow. My God, that, this is this is this is LAPD clown show number two. I've never seen a more inept group of of officers. None of them either knew or wanted to be have anything to do with this thing. So the whole thing was was a, a crap show from the beginning. I, I've, I've a supervisor like that, you turn around and say, "Shut up and get away from me." But the only problem was none of the other officers were going to do anything without him standing behind him, whipping him the whole time. That whole thing about shifting less lethal, you take it, you already shot, so you don't, and you go. It was just, it was maddening. I, I, I couldn't know. How do you operate under with stuff like that? It was just insane. Nobody wanted to engage the guy. It was, it was a joke until he finally turned around and engaged them with his pickaxe, and then, then somebody finally shot him. That was just another clown show. Clown show number two. 
Wow. Well, we got, you know, 30 seconds left, guys. And, uh, you know, David, you're not really doing much to build your fan base in the state of California. I mean, these people are yeah, leaving. Too bad. Too bad. Yeah. When you're full of when you're full of idiots like that, a bunch of neutered people that that are dressed up playing police officer, um, you, you just quit, quit and go, go away. Do what what Brett said and just leave. Just everybody just leave and just let them have it. That, that would be the best thing. Thank you to the panel for a great show. And also Dan O'Kelly with GunLearn.com. I appreciated uh, you making the show, Dan, and being on. Uh, hey, a shout out to our sponsors, Galls, Extra Duty Solutions, GunLearn.com, Verding Weapon Technologies, Guardian Alliance Technologies. And hey, many all the outlets are curious. Thank you very much. We're powered by Pexip. Guys, no live show next Monday. We'll still do the five segments Tuesday through Saturday, but no live show on Monday. I'm going to be at the beach. So producer Will uh, and I will still be active from afar. Thanks, guys. Have a wonderful week.